Hello, this is Mona Tonchev, past president of NCSM, and welcome to the NCSM podcast, Learning with Leaders, the Reset, Renew, Restore series. Join me and my co-host, John Sangiovanni, as we sit down and have conversations with emerging and established leaders about how we can reset for the upcoming school year. Listen as we talk to mathematics leaders who can help us think about resetting what has become status quo these past few years. We will learn about their inspiration, perceptions, insights, and perspective. Listeners, fellow mathematics leaders, if you feel like current math instructional practices or student learning seems stuck or stalled, it's time to hit reset. Hello, listeners. I am Mona Tonchev, and welcome to the NCSM podcast, Learning with Leaders. This series is about how we are going to reset, renew, and restore as we prepare for the coming school year. Yeah, that's right, Mona. This new series is a chance to think about well, a brighter future. It's, it's a chance to think about what's worked and, well, what hasn't. To think about the pressure to catch up but without taking shortcuts. And in this episode, we're really excited to talk with Julie Dixon and thinking, well, about that reset, helping leaders think about what to consider as they go into next year, about how to hit the reset and, more importantly, why to hit the reset button. Yeah, so Dr. Julie Dixon is a professor of mathematics education at the University of Central Florida. She's a prolific writer who has published numerous books, textbooks, and articles. She is the author of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt's Into Math, Go Math, and the AGA and Integrated Math for High School, as well as for Waggle, which is K-8 Mathematics. And we also have to add that she's a leader in DNA Math and a co-author of Solution Trees, Making Sense of Mathematics for Teaching. Uh, that's a book and a video series, especially important to Dr. Dixon is, is the need to teach each and every student. She often shares her personal story of supporting her own children with special needs, especially Alex, to learn mathematics in an inclusive setting. Dr. Dixon published A Stroke of Luck, a girl's second chance at life with her daughter, Jessica Dixon. And I just, I have had the pleasure of seeing Julie and her daughter present. And it was just a fantastic story. But before you go into that, I actually am going to share a, a, a funny story about the first time I heard Julie speak. Um, it was at the NCSM Annual Conference. I don't remember what year it was, but it was early on in my attending the conference. And it was a luncheon, and there was like 2,000 people in the audience. And she asked us to solve a long division problem. And orally, this whole entire group said it was like, you know, 1,235 divided by two or something like that. And it was like, everybody said, like everybody said in unison, two goes into, goes into. And she's like, what's goes into? Is goes into a thing? And like went on this whole thing. And it was just, it was just amazing to hear that everybody in the room had that same thought process of what we needed to do to solve this. However, that solving, there was nothing conceptually in it at all. So that, I mean, that was the whole point of her presentation, but that really stood out to me as a high school teacher. I hadn't thought about it like that. And it really changed my, per my perception of what we really should be doing when we teach mathematics. So thank you for that, Julie, and welcome to our show. <laughs> That's right, welcome. When you said Gazinta, I almost thought about saying God bless you, but here we are. Oh, All right. <laughs> So Mona, what, what, where do you want to start with Julie today? All right, yeah, Julie, so tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your background, your story, your training experiences, and your passion for your work today. 
I will, and thank you. Thanks for that kind introduction and that walk down memory lane. It's uh, an interesting memory for me to, to think about sharing that long division algorithm. And it really connects with a lot of what I wanna talk about with you today with how we need to support students to do the sense-making, right? That's it. When I think about my background, my background in mathematics education has been about supporting each and every learner to make sense of mathematics. And a little bit about myself. I'm, uh, as you know, mathematics education professor, blah, blah, blah. But probably more important to me than any of that that you shared is what you shared at the end with my being a parent. So I'm a parent of uh, two daughters who uh, have special needs and their needs are really different from one another and one from one to the other. Um, and that's important as well. So I'll tell you a bit about that. Prior to becoming a mathematics education professor, I was a public school teacher. I feel like though I never should have been a teacher until I had the opportunity to reteach my daughter. See, my daughter, Alex, had a stroke when she was 12 years old. Prior to having her stroke, she was a gifted learner, labeled as gifted learner, learned things quickly and easily in school. And I didn't understand even from my teaching perspective or my parenting perspective, what it truly meant to support a learner who struggled. Because Alex got sick when she was 10 and had um, many, many struggles with a virus and, and not recovering from a virus. This is a, a story that's too close to home for many people right now, but following two years of struggle, she had emergency brain surgery as a last ditch effort to save her life. And during that surgery, she had a massive stroke. So the stroke destroyed the part of her brain that was killing her, but it also destroyed her academics. And you talk about having a reset. Alex had a true reset at age 12. And I provided a lot of her support in reteaching her reteaching her to read, to write, to do mathematics. I feel like I never should have been a teacher until I retaught my daughter because supporting a student with significant struggles and supporting the student successfully taught me so much about teaching and learning. And um, many of us have been teaching and learning through trauma recently and in our pasts. And when we teach and learn through trauma, it changes our, our point of view and it influences everything we do in education. And so it's what we do with those experiences that either support us to be effective in our teaching or inhibits our in effectiveness. And so I've spent my career looking for ways for our experiences to support us to be more effective. And so I think that describes my passion for teaching and learning today. The techniques that I used with my daughter and the um, techniques that I learned from her teachers who were teaching her in public school at the same time informed my practice and continue to form my practice. 
I know that both of you have, have interacted with my daughter in the past. So I should probably tell you that while she had her stroke when she was 12, she's now 24 and she graduated from college in early childhood education. And she's now in month three as a preschool teacher. That's that, is, that is the best story ever, without a doubt. That is the best story. And, and frankly, we could just wrap it up there, listeners. It was well worth the listen for that. <laughs> there but, but we have to talk about some reset. And actually, Julie, you just really, you know, already started to preview that really well. And while you're the perfect guest for this, this first conversation. You know, as we mentioned in the opening, um, you know, Mona and I are thinking about next year, like all of our math leaders are, our teachers, our students, our administrators, our parents, you name it, right? Um, and that reset or reboot or restart. Why, why, do you, why do you think we, we stakeholders in general, need, to, need this restart, reboot? Um, if you're not sure about why, tell us a little bit about what are some things in math we, we just need to reset? Yeah, so you've used these three different terms. You've used restart, reboot, reset. And of the three, reset resonates with me the most because I'm not sure we're starting over. I'm not sure we can start over. Uh, can we reboot? When we reboot, what are we doing with everything that is good and within us? And even what we've learned from experiences we've already had. But that reset, that reset's crucial. And I think that it is, um, it's needed on a lot of levels. But just like when we teach students, we find that we learn, if, if we teach students well and deeply, we learn as much as they do. If we think about a reset, it's our reset that we need to think about so much more. We need to reset our expectations. We need to take stock in what we know as educators to be best practice and think about and examine that closely to be sure that it truly does represent best practice for each and every student, but also takes into consideration what students are bringing to the community of learners, right? Our students have experienced trauma as we have experienced trauma as teachers and teacher leaders. And so if we can take stock in what students know and what we know to be best practices, we can build on that, right? We need to determine what building blocks our students have, find what works with them and what resonates with them, as well as what resonates with us in what we know to be important mathematics to teach. All of that comes together so that we can move forward in a positive direction. Yeah, Julie, and Julie, when you're talking about that, right, that, that word reset, it resonates with Mona and, and me as well. And that idea that, you know, we said in the past, like, we need to return to normal. Well, no, we don't want to fully return to normal, right? Now's the time to take some of those best practices, but to reset some of our other thoughts, like you mentioned, expectations and practice in general um, to carve out, uh, again, a better, brighter future. Yeah, I want to add, you, you mentioned something about really knowing what the students have, which just a lot of the, even one of our podcasts, I don't know which episode it was, but one of our podcasts um, was around asset-based uh, teaching and learning, that it's not about the fact that students don't have something, it's the fact that they, they do. 
and it's our job to figure out what that is. So that brings me to the next part of the question is, so if we're thinking of this reset, how do we define success for next year, either in ourselves and our own leadership style or strategies or in our students? Another great question. I'm going to find myself nodding with what both of you say in, 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 continuously. So I think first and foremost, we need to define success in terms of our students' mathematical identity and their agency. We need to build a sense of belonging. I think that learning for many students who are learning remotely or in schools where we need to be distanced or with different varying levels of support will have had an impact on students' identity and sense of belonging. And so we want them to belong to the mathematics community, the mathematics classroom, and we're gonna be, need to be intentional about building that. We also, because we need to acknowledge that that's gonna take more time, we're gonna to need to redefine academic success. Right? <laughs> If we redefine academic success, we might be more realistic and more, more critically consuming of the resources that we use to support our students. Things are gonna take longer. And so we need to be critical consumers of what we use and how we, and, and be critical on how we plan so we have time to support students' identity and sense of belonging in our mathematical community. If we can attend to students' belonging, then the trauma that they've experienced and that teachers we support have experienced can begin to be addressed so that we can begin to heal together as we work on important mathematics. Yeah, Julie, you talk about recognizing trauma, and we've all experienced that without a doubt to some degree in these past few years, right? And you also talk about identity and agency, which are things that are critical importance. Um, so suggestions of going after those things, uh, I hope rings loudly with our listeners. Any other suggestions you might have for leaders to support, um, you know, each and every student and, and thinking about how they might create a more inclusive environment? That, that's part of the question, right? And another part of this question is, do you think like, how are post-pandemic suggestions considerably different than pre-pandemic suggestions? Like, are they? Well, I'm not sure, are they or should they, right? Should they be, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that we, we should have been having a lot of the conversations we're having now post-pandemic for a long time. But you know what? We're having them now, so let's just have them. We should have conversations about what it means to engage in mathematics teaching and learning and what supports students and teachers need to engage in those conversations, right? It's about supporting each and every learner, but our teachers are also learners. We're learning to engage in this community. And so what do we do to increase engagement at all levels? We wanna increase engagement of students, but, but that means we also need to increase engagement on behalf of our teachers. Our teachers need to be empowered as instructional leaders in their classrooms, which means we need to be involved in the conversation of pacing. We need to be involved in the conversation regarding task selection and implementation for our students so that we can meet the, alert, the learning goals 
that are realistic for our students as well. Yeah, and I think that's hard, right? Because there's this immense pressure. Folks are feeling overwhelmed that, oh my goodness, we've missed so much, I gotta catch everybody up. And so we might skip through and try to rush through a scope and sequence and grab the low level task just so we can like cram it in there. But we're, we're not going deeply with the math or there might be a pressure not to, right? Or, or to take our time to learn it well. So I think that's some really good advice there. Yeah, and so teaching under stress, when we're stressed out, we're more likely to, to go to tried and, and, and uh, comfortable ways of teaching, right? And that's often procedural. It's often the way we were taught. Well, it's funny you said that, like you caught yourself. I, I think you were about to say, maybe not, I apologize, but like tried and true. And it's more I was. <laughs> I know you were, right? <laughs> right? Because I was thinking it too. And I'm like, no, 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 because that wasn't really tried and true. That was comfortable, or that's the experience we had. But that's not really what was effective for each and every kiddo, right? And that's a big right. problem. Yeah. Right. It's tried and comfortable. We're going to have to get uncomfortable. But, you know, we've just spent a couple of years being uncomfortable for different reasons but we're gonna to have to stay in this space of discomfort to be sure that we're meeting the needs of each and every learner. So we're going to be asking our teachers to teach in ways that may be less comfortable for them so that students can experience deeper learning. But as leaders, we're gonna to have to be realistic though. I don't think it's reasonable to ask teachers to teach outside of their comfort zone every lesson every day. It's too exhausting, it takes too much planning. So we need to be strategic. We need to spend the time planning and determine what is the most important mathematics of an upcoming unit or chapter or module, whatever the three weeks of instruction, right? What's the most important mathematics to come? Let's linger on that important mathematics and teach it with fidelity teach it using tasks that have uh, many entry points, support those tasks with questions that will elicit students' understanding because students are coming knowing things, but also will uncover common errors. Let's use um, the evidence that students provide in real time to determine what scaffolding students need after they show they need it, but also at extensions because there's a lot to this, right? We've got students who will need a lot of extra support to meet the learning goal, but we're also gonna have students who are gonna need extensions to grow from where they are if we're truly gonna meet each and every learner. That's very, very difficult to do in every lesson every day. So let's be strategic and do this on the most important lessons of our unit. And then on some of the lessons and some of the mathematics that's less important to be taught in these ways, let's give ourselves the permission to, to teach in a, in a less um, stressful manner. It is stressful to teach using best practices. It's more difficult. We've got to be reasonable about our expectations as well. So what I heard you say that when you're focusing on making teaching making sense, sometimes it can be uncomfortable. So my question is, how do we make it comfortable? Because you and your work speak to sense-making and understanding mathematics for each and every learner, right? Rather than using Gazintu or that basic procedure road skill. So how does that work? I mean, besides being intentional 
Like, is there anything else you would add to for, for resetting for next year? How do we yeah. get past that un uncomfortable spot? I think there's two things. One, know our students, right? That means this year, who I have now, who are my students? Let me know my students. If I know my students, I'm more comfortable interacting with my students, supporting them, uh, teaching them from where they are, know what they bring to, to the classroom community. The other part though, is knowing the mathematics. So if I am very, very comfortable with mathematics for teaching, there's less I have to think about in real time. Some of that becomes automatic and I can listen to my students and understand the mathematics because I know the, how to connect it to meet my learning goal. Those are the two things. Know your students, know your math for teaching. But that's a, that's a big ask. I, I like, know that is a big, right? And, and it's an uncomfortable ask because in math, we haven't spent a lot of time doing those things always. Like you get to know your students the first day of school and then like, I got to get in and start teaching the math and I don't have time to revisit this again, right? And, and you know, time to do that and, and to do it consistently is really important. You know, these past two years, as we look back and think about all the places that we've been, we're thinking about like August or September and what are we going to do? But this last question for you, Julie, is really about, well, two years out from now, right? Where would you like to see math education on the heels of a pandemic per se, like one year from now, two years from now? And then how do you think we might be able to get there? So that's that's a tough question. Sure is, we know, that's why we're asking you. We, we don't know the answer. <laughs> I am, I'm gonna answer this one selfishly because I Good. get you. I'd like us to see mathematics education leaders focusing on developing agency in our K-8 mathematics teachers. If our teachers, elementary, and I think primarily our elementary teachers, understand math for teaching and how students learn mathematics, they can support students in developing strong and useful foundations in mathematics. Right, so maybe I'm especially interested in elementary because of the projects that I'm working on now. Um, but I think it's more than that. I think it is that we talk about foundations for students learning. So much of that foundation is set for students' feelings about mathematics from the early grades. We need our teachers to have good feelings about mathematics and understand important mathematics for teaching so they can share in that community and develop students who have those same feelings. That's perfect. I mean, I think about it. Our elementary teachers have gotten a really raw deal on the math stick, right? They didn't necessarily have great experiences themselves. They didn't necessarily get lots of preparation opportunities. And most of the time they're focused on reading. And so, yeah. you know, more time with math and their own agency yeah, that's a good place to be in two years. Yep. No pressure. Let's do this. No, 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 none. And, and matter of fact, we're just going to call you and have you do that that work for everybody. So okay, I'm working on it. Her, her, her cell phone will be posted at the end of the session, folks. Listen for that. Mona, <laughs> did you want to add something? To I was just going to, I was going to add. So I've been doing a ton of work with K-5 teachers over the last couple of years. And I think building up that agency is really difficult um, just because 
typically your K-5, sometimes it's K-3 teachers teach multiple content areas. And so their, their planning time is already spread really thin. So one last question, like, is there a model out there that you've seen working with K-8 schools that allows for that agency development when they teach multiple content areas? Like what's the best model out there? Not that there's a magic bullet because we know there isn't, but is there something you've seen that has really made an impact on teachers' agency around the content? Well, so you set it up by saying when they teach multiple subject areas, I think it's time to specialize. I think that if we want people to have the time to plan and make sense of mathematics, we've got to take something off their plate. And so let people focus on teaching and learning mathematics. And if they're not also the main teacher for reading, then they're not going to be pulled towards the other content area. They're going to be able to focus on the mathematics that they teach. Yeah, that's amen. <laughs> like, that would be amazing. And they're typically in the grade level teams, there's somebody who kind of it, it like you can see their passion when you talk about it. Um, however, when it comes down to it, the passion gets squished sometimes amongst all of the other contents. So, I mean, it's a challenge within the system. Like this is not something we're gonna be able to solve in a 20 minute podcast. However, sure we can. Something we can think about. <laughs> oh yeah, we could just do it like that, Julie. <laughs> we, we, might need, we might need two parts, but we can do it. So if we could focus on the, the content area and then provide the professional development to support teachers to develop strength in their content knowledge for teaching. We can't assume that we're coming to the classroom as teachers with content knowledge for teaching mathematics in particular. We need more once we're teaching. As more of teaching becomes automatic, we need to revisit the mathematics to make sure that we're teaching for understanding. Every time I do a lesson study with the team, I learn something more about the content through, or not through, because we're looking at student work. Like mm -hmm. we're actually looking at student thinking and going, well, what does this mean? And we're like, wow, this is just powerful. So anyway, well, thank you so much, Julie. We appreciate you sharing your expertise with us um, on this late evening for the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks for That's inviting right. me. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, thank you, folks. We look forward to uh, entertaining, sharing some other ideas about how we might reset for the future. Thank you again, Dr. Julie Dixon. Your insights are, are one of a kind and always appreciated. Thanks so much. Be well. We hope you have been inspired by this bold mathematics leadership conversation and will tune into our podcast series each month. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. You can learn more about NCSM Leadership in Mathematics Education and our upcoming professional learning events on the NCSM website at mathedleadership.org. You can also follow NCSM on Twitter at mathedleaders using the hashtag NCSMBold. Thanks again.